Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. This episode is going to be a quick fit tip. That means it's going to be a short episode, and what I'm going to do is share my thoughts with you about what to expect as we return to health clubs. I'm recording this at the end of May. It's May 27th on 2020, and for the last, I don't even know at this point, nine, ten weeks, give or take, we've been, much of the country has been sheltering in place under stay-at-home orders from various state state governments. You know, we're all doing this in response to COVID-19. Now, the interesting thing is, and I'm, I'm a fit, you know, I, I enjoy a good conspiracy theory. And let me take a step back. When I was a young man right out of college, 22 years old, I applied for an internship on Capitol Hill. But because I just graduated college and the office uh, that I interviewed with had a, an opening in the mailroom, I ended up getting a job in the mailroom of Senator Feinstein. So there I was, 22 years old, right out of college, opening mail for the senator. And that was back, it was 1994, it was back when people actually used to send letters. The whole irony of that, though, is most of the campaigns were like cut-and-paste campaigns. Now we have cut-and-paste emails. People, for whatever issue, would just take letters, Xerox them, or whatever, and send them into the mail. But anyway, the, the, the senator every day won an account of how many letters came in on which topic. The reason why I say that, it was open, in the mailroom, opening mail, that I started you know, learning about conspiracy theories. You know, it wasn't something I touched on in college. wasn't something that you know, my parents spoke about at all growing up. They're pretty mainstream. In 1994, the big fear was that, that President Bill Clinton was going to turn us over to the New World Order. This was right before Ruby Ridge. Um, no, actually, it was after Ruby Ridge. It was after Waco and, and a bunch of other stuff, if you remember back to, back to that, but before, um, before Oklahoma City. Anyway, I'd read these letters from people who were convinced that there's a vast New World Order. And the irony is it was President George H.W. Bush who coined the term New World Order, but a lot of these people writing in were the one they were suspecting that Clinton was going to put us in the New World Order. Anyway, so since 1994, I, I've kind of paid attention to conspiracy theories. And I enjoy a good conspiracy theory, but as a piece of fiction. <laughs> I've, my personal belief, you know, whether or not I believe this actually or not, but I really think that a lot of these conspiracy theories are underemployed Hollywood writers floating ideas for a script or floating ideas for TV shows. You know, I enjoy a you know, good conspiracy theory. I enjoy a good... What if? And basically all there are is modern day mythology. Way back in the ancient times, people used to make up myths to try to explain, you know, different change of seasons, different things that happened, different natural events is before we understood science. So now my belief is that conspiracy theories are purely just conjecture. People trying to explain hard to explain events. You know, the, the, all the intricacies of geopolitics can be somewhat mind numbing to try to follow. So it's much easier to say that George Soros is the evil clown behind everything. I don't care. The reason why I say that is I really don't have any tolerance for all these COVID-19 conspiracy theories. The only conspiracy theory that I'll entertain is that COVID was created by, by Zoom and by the teachers unions. Zoom obviously has become the go-to communication outlet and teachers unions wanted us to teach our kids for a little while. So the next time a contract comes up, uh, we're going to be a little bit more... Um, a little bit more free spending to thank the teachers for their work. All that to say that I really just have no patience for these COVID-19 conspiracy theories. They are what they are. And what I want to do is take a look at what to expect as we head back to the gym. A lot of us have been working out from home. And I think I don't know about you. It's been going okay. I have some weights at home, some kettlebells, yada, yada, yada. I've been doing a lot more mountain biking the last few weeks. You know, we can get 
We can get a good workout at home. You have to work for it, though. You have to know what to do. All that to say that I'm really looking forward to getting back in the gym. One of the things I, I enjoy about the gym is seeing friends, seeing people, just being out in that social atmosphere. And, you know, of course, there's always the equipment. I miss, do miss the equipment, do miss access to different things. And even here at my apartment complex, I shut down a little fitness center here. So other than dumbbells, other than a couple of medicine balls, some other stuff, that's all the weight I've been lifting the last number, number of weeks. And I'm sure you have the same. Anyway, what can we expect when we go back to the gym? Well, a few states are already starting to open up. And in those states, 24-hour fitness, I, I have been a writer for 24-hour fitness. In those states, 24-hour fitness has changed the format of some of their clubs. What they're doing is they're putting out-of-order signs every other cardio machine to give more space between the machines. They're taking the basketball courts and they're gridding them out so personal trainers can train their clients in basketball courts in a 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 foot space. What they're trying to do is trying to be responsible. And I think, I know, uh, I think uh, 24 Hour Fitness is doing this. I know Equinox is doing this. And I'm sure some of the bigger gyms will do this where you'll have to book your workout time ahead of time. Meaning you can't just go to the gym when you want, but you need a plan that I'm going to go to the gym in two days at 8 a.m. and you book yourself for an 8 to 9 a.m. time slot with the idea that a lot of these larger gyms are going to close down for half an hour, an hour at a time throughout the day to disinfect the area. It's interesting. A friend of mine sent me some research from Korea about the spread of COVID at a gym. There were a couple things going on at a gym. There's, there's a, one instructor who was, I think, uh, COVID-19 symptomatic, meaning she had the symptoms. She taught a low-intensity class, I want to say like a Pilates class. And then there's another instructor that taught a higher-intensity class, like a dance class. Anyway, the, the dance class had more people in the dance class got, got COVID-19 more than the people in the Pilates class. And I think there are people in, in both classes with symptoms, meaning that lower intensity exercise might be a little bit safer if you're in a crowd. I mean, I'm, I'm extrapolating that. But what they did was they looked at the rate of transmission, the contacts, all that stuff. And what they found is the lower intensity workout group did not experience the same reaction or di didn't come out with the same number of COVID-19 cases as did the higher intensity group. All that to say that the studios, I know in Washington State, studios, when they open back up, are being limited to five pe people per group fitness studio. And I don't know about you, but I think, you know, we've kind of adapted to doing at-home workouts. And one of the things I think that's going to happen in the gym is they're going to have to cut the, the size of the studio space down by a lot. So if you're used to going to a fitness studio where maybe there are 40, 50 people taking a class, that's now going to be limited to maybe 12 or 15 people. The smart gyms will wire their studios up to be able to do virtual classes. So if I'm teaching a 6 o'clock class, 15 people register, but a number of other people can stay at home and take the class virtually. So one of the things you can expect, I think, when we get back to the gyms is if you want to take group fitness classes, you'll have to sign a release agreeing to be videoed for that class. Whether or not you want to, that's a whole other decision. But what gym operators are going to have to do to get the maximum return on their investment of, of their labor time for their instructors because nobody wants to pay an instructor to teach to 10 or 12 people. But if they have a video in there and you could 10 or 12 people live and then have it streamed out to people at home, that's going to be one, one of the changes that we see. Is we're going to see that adaptation of gyms offering more virtual programming of what's going on live in their facility. Another thing that we're going to see is that gyms are going to sell you their equipment or you can lease equipment from the gym, meaning it, you can buy your own set of dumbbells, you can buy bands. That way you don't have to share equipment in the group fitness studio. And all this to say, I mean, let's face it, even the cleanest, best, well-run, best, well, even the cleanest, best-run gym 
in the country is going to have issues with germs and with spreading disease. You just you can't stop it. So what I think we're going to see coming back to the gyms, and, and you're probably, in, and I think I know what group you're probably in, but there are going to be three groups of people. One group of people just aren't going to come back. You, you look at like a bell curve, one side of the bell curve is not going to come back. Maybe 15 to 20% of gym members, just they, they were always germophobes to begin with. They didn't like working out of the gym. And now that there's a much you know, bigger risk of developing a disease or developing a virus, or these people may have compromised immune systems and don't want to put themselves in that situation. But for whatever reason, about 15 to 20% of gyms, gym members won't come back. They just won't. They're, they'll work out at home. They'll do other things. And then you're going to have about 20, 25% of gym members who are trying to break into the gym overnight because they want to work out. There are two times I've been working in gyms where a fire has started. One time a dryer caught on fire because of the lymph trap. The other time an electrical outlet had a shortage. Both times there was a fire in the facility. Both times fire department had to be called. And both times we had to literally kick people off the equipment when you could see a little fire, when you could smell the smoke. People did not want to stop exercising. Those are the people that want to come back to the gym right away. You want to have about 20, 25% of that. But then everybody else is going to fall somewhere in the middle of that bell curve. Some people might not go back to their larger gyms because they feel it's dirty or unclean. They might transfer instead to a smaller studio that has the ability to do more cleanliness, more they can keep it cleaner. You can decide which group you're in. The other thing that we're going to see is after 10 weeks of being shut down, 10, 12 weeks of being shut down, a lot of the smaller operators are going to go away. A lot of mom and pop gyms, a lot of small studios that, that can't, they, they don't have the capital, they don't have the ability to invest in virtual in, in a virtual um, solution, so they have to close. And a couple of larger chains, and this is in the press, so I'm not sharing any uh, inside information, but a couple of larger chains, Gold's Gym has already declared bankruptcy at Chapter 11. 24-Hour Fitness is on the verge of that it, because these gyms have not been collecting dues for the last couple of months, and they, they're going to need to reorganize. In, in my opinion, though, it's not a bad thing because some of these gyms are in expensive leases. And if they're not getting the ROI, the return on investment for their lease, they'd be smart to, to shut down some of the underperforming gyms. So use this opportunity, go into Chapter 11, restructure debt, and close um, close uh, insufficient or, or inefficient, inefficient gyms. That just is funny. Because we have, you know, people, there, there's a politician out there saying socialist this, socialist that. Well, we're not a socialist state unless you're a late major corporation and you get a bailout from the government. But capitalism at its best is the strong survive and the weak go away. And we're going to see that at some point. We're going to see that in the fitness industry where health club chains that don't adapt this new model, health clubs chains that don't offer a virtual solution so their members can either work out in the facility or at home, those health club chains are going to have a tough time attracting members. And I do think this is happening in some states. You're going to have to come in. You're going to have to sign an additional waiver because a lot of the gyms do not want to get sued. Say I go to the gym and I have COVID-19 and they don't know that. And I pass that to 10 people in the gym. That gym could theoretically be sued for not stopping me from coming in and working out. So in some states, I've heard they're going to be doing temperatures and you have to sign a release form before you can go in and work out the facility. Plus, people don't expect you to wear masks. You know, you're going to be expected. There's some debate on whether or not that's going to happen, but we are going to have to be, we are going to have to be patient about that as we all, as all these operators find a new way to work. And one thing about masks, I think it's really, I think it's very interesting to see the public's reaction wearing masks. Now, personally, I don't know how, how effective they are, but I buckle up. I put my seatbelt on when I drive in my car. 
I don't, uh, I don't drink alcohol, but I don't get behind the wheel of a car when I'm impaired. I could, but I don't because somebody could get hurt and it's, you know, kind of violates society's norms. So I think we're going to have to, however you feel about masks, I think for the short term, we're going to have to go along to get along. It's not going to kill you to wear a mask for a little bit and you have to go to the gym and wear a mask. Eh, you know, suck it up. It's going to be for a short time. It's going to be until they get a vaccine or it's going to be until, you know, medical community figures out how to, how to treat it. All that to say is that, you know, we're just going to have to adapt to a new normal. I'm in California. I don't know. I think at best guess, gyms are going to be open again from what I understand about July 1 or maybe August 1 in a quote unquote phase three reopening, whatever that means. But we have to look at it and just be smart about it that don't push it, don't rush it. If you've been developing workout at home solutions and my book, Smarter Workouts, has those solutions for you, there'll be a link down below in the show notes. Also, if you're looking for at-home workout ideas, either my dumbbell workout program, my kettlebell conditioning program, or my functional core strength program, those are all available for less than $20. There are eight-week workout programs, a ton of great information in there. I was developing those programs anyway before all this came about, but they're great, great workout solutions using only one or two pieces of equipment. And that's really what we want. So let me do a recap. Number one, I don't think, you know, viruses happen, right? I don't think this is any kind of grand conspiracy. I don't think we're going to be microchipped with a vaccine. That stuff is just entertaining to think about, but not reality. But what we are going to have to do when we start going back to the gym is you're going to have to schedule a time to work out. You're going to have a limited amount of time to work out, and you'll probably have to have your temperature taken when we sign in. Just go with it. Work with it. If you want to get your workout in, go with the flow. If you feel uncomfortable doing that, you don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to go to a facility. You can always cancel your membership. We just have to recognize that, that we have to pay attention because there are a lot of people out there with compromised immune systems. There are a lot of people out there that might have some bad results if they catch this thing. I was joking the other day with a friend that's really ironic that the Trump supporters, the people who don't want to wear a mask and want to open everything back up, are, uh, do not, they're not the demographic that goes to the type of health clubs anyway, for the most part, at least from what I've seen in some of the protests. They definitely don't look like that. Going back to the gym, you have to schedule a time. The gym's going to be closed every couple hours for a cleaning. P- piece of equipment are going to go down, so there's an appropriate amount of physical distancing space between pieces of equipment. And I do think the smart operators will sell you equipment to use in the studio, and then you can rent a locker to keep that equipment there. And that's also the other thing that's going to change. Studio schedules can get, get cut way back. In areas and facilities where they can, they're going to be migrating a lot of their exercise programs, their group fitness programs outdoors to create, be able to create the space where people can move. That's another thing you're going to see. So you're going to have to sign up for workouts. You're going to have to wear a mask in a lot of facilities. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to maybe bring in your own equipment. You're going to have to be, have that available to you. And just we're going to have to get used to this. And, and, and here's the thing. These are private businesses. You don't have to go. So if you don't like the rules that your gym sets up, Cancel your membership, move on, go somewhere else. And, and that just is, again, that's capitalism at its best. It's you ha- you're the consumer. You have the choices for the way to spend your money. And I don't know about you, but I've been doing a yoga class online, and I kind of like it. I do think that we're going to get a lot of people adapting to being able to work out at home. And they're like, you know, why am I spending all this money per month for a studio? Why am I sitting in traffic 30, 40 minutes each way? Why am I stressing about parking? Why am I doing all this when I can work out at home? whether they're doing a virtual program or doing their own program, whatever, I think we'll see that. I think people will start staying out and working out at home more. Maybe you're one of those. Maybe it's convenient for you. Maybe you like it. 
But that's really going to be. I mean, I think we're going to see you know the operators, good operators, going to have a hybrid, either live workouts or distance workouts. Really good operators will have, also have a system for how their trainers can train people work with clients remotely. And somebody might say, well, why would a trainer do that? You know, why not just take the clients themselves? Well, one of the benefits about working for the gym is you might get health insurance. You might get a 401k. And having been on both sides of the equation, working for a gym and working for myself, there's something to be said about working for an employer who takes care of all the fine nitty gritty stuff around taxes. But that's what I think you're going to see. That's why I think we can get, you know, be prepared for as your state reopens back up. You're just going to have to change the way you work out. Studio sizes, class sizes will be much smaller. The classes where they can will migrate outside to have more space. And based on this research that is, you know, wasn't a huge study, but based on this looking at what happened in Korea, I think we'll see a migration. If we're smart, we'll see a migration in the short term to lower intensity workouts. Because higher intensity workouts, they increase your respiration, what's called the respiratory exchange ratio, the RER. Because when you're working harder, you have to breathe quicker. You have to expel CO2 out of the lungs, and you have to bring O2 in to, to bring oxygen in and bring nutrients in. Well, oxygen gets combined. Anyway, you have to bring oxygen in to fuel the muscles, and you have to get rid of CO2 from doing the exercise. And there may be a risk. There may be a greater risk of catching somebody's germs, working out at a higher intensity class where people are breathing a lot harder, and they're exhaling much more forcefully. Think about how hard you breathe when you work to a point of exhaustion. If you're exhaling that forcefully, you're sending spittle droplets meter, three, four, five meters. And I think smart operators will adjust to that and offer low-intensity classes. You're not going to be able to use all the equipment in your facility. You're going to have to watch out for space. The point is we're just going to have to learn how to adapt to, to do this. And we don't know when we're, this is going to be 100% normal, if it ever gets to 100% normal. For those of you that remember the early 2000s with the SARS um, you know, severe acute respiratory system, I think it was, in Southeast Asia, that's what really kind of prompted the Asians to start wearing face masks. And having been in China a number of times, there are, in any given time in the city, every city I've been in, there may be 10, or 15, 10 to 15% of people walking around a city wearing face masks. That's a common sight in different Asian countries because of the background of these really nasty viruses. And we're not to get used to that. So why not make a mask a fashion statement? Like I said, I kind of have my ideas and th doubts, whatever, about it. But just like I buckle up my seatbelt, just like I put on a pair of pants, just like I follow a lot of other social norms, I'm just going to follow this one because the other thing, too, is I don't want to get sick and pass it to my kids. I don't want to get sick and pass it to my parents. The point is we're just going to have to get used to the new normal. Anyway, that's my quick fit tip. What to expect when we get back to the gyms. Main thing is, and oh, please, if you're still listening, Please be kind to the people working at the gym. Please be kind to the front desk employees, to the managers, to, to the floor staff. If you work in a health club, you don't make a lot of money. You really don't. I mean, you can make decent income, but you don't get paid a whole heck of a lot of money. And if somebody asks you to take your temperature, somebody asks you to wear the mask, they're doing a job. They've been told to do that job. They don't work for Bill Gates. They don't work for George Soros. They're not trying to be a tyrant and take away your civil liberties. What they are trying to do is implement a policy that the company put in place for the best practice. Everybody is at, well, every intelligent, let me qualify that, every intelligent individual is acting based on the best scientific data. And we're not going to get it right. We're not going to get it perfect. But what we are going to be doing in the fitness industry is trying to do the best job possible 
so that when you do come into a facility, a studio, a gym, whatever, there's a much, much lower risk of you getting sick from being in there. Hopefully this gives you a few ideas about what to expect. The main thing is don't stop moving. Don't stop exercising. One of the things we are seeing are people who are fit, people who have a healthy body weight, people who have healthy immune systems. They might get sick, but it's not fatal to them. So continue working out wherever you want to because that will strengthen your immune system. If you want to reach out to me, you can do that, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Thank you to all of you who've been purchasing the content, the workouts, the ebooks. In June, I'm actually going to be doing a couple of group, uh, group chats on Zoom. If you did purchase a dumbbell workout, what I'm going to start doing in June is have like a group coaching session on Zoom. Get a bunch of people together. If you have any questions, I'll be available to answer, answer those questions, give you some guidance, how to progress or regress it, other exercises that you can do. So if you buy one of the workout programs, be on the lookout. I don't, I'm not sure the frequency when I'll do those. I want to do each workout program at least once a month. And I have three workout programs right now. I'm working on two other books right now, two other eBooks that are going to be coming out soon. One is on exercise and aging, how exercise is the fountain of youth and slowing down aging. And they'll have a, a few workout programs with that. And I'll be doing another webinar. The webinar I, I did a couple weeks ago was very successful on dynamic anatomy. So once I get this ebook ready for exercise as a fountain of youth, I'll be doing a webinar on that. I'm also working on a webinar in an ebook on core training. That's, that's what I'm going to try to do is bring you the best information and bring you content. If you like all about fitness, you can purchase some content, learn some more about exercise. And most importantly, and I did this as a personal trainer, I want to educate you so you know how to design fitness programs. That's what all the content's trying to do is educate you so that you learn how to design programs that you like doing that produce the results you want. Shoot me an email, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Follow me on Instagram, PeteMcCall underscore fitness. That's PeteMcCall underscore fitness. And like I say always, thank you for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.